love NBA fans. Welcome back to another episode of Full Court Press, sponsored and brought to you by Geek Vibes Nation. I'm your host, Nick Smith, and joining me tonight is Luke Alves. What's up, Luke? And Nick, man, been a little while, but, uh, you know, ready to talk some uh, basketball and uh, recap this draft that we had. Yeah, indeed, man. It's It's been a, a long time coming. Uh, I have been uh, out of town for an extended period of time, so we were just kind of waiting until I got back and settled. Uh, went to colorful Colorado, had a great time. Um, and uh, But now I'm back, and so we can jump right into it. Uh, so what we're going to do uh, – Geek Vibes Nation, Full Court Press Nation, we're going to give our winners and losers, and we'll probably get into, like, as uh, time goes on and free agency kind of settles out, we'll, uh, you know, take an assessment of, of like, each team, you know, going into the season and how they fared with their their draft, uh, plus their free agency acquisitions. So keep an eye out for that coming down the pipes, but for now... We have our three big winners and our three big losers. So, Luke, kick us off. Who are your three big winners? Well, I mean, I think I got the obvious one and the the big winners of the night. And I hate to say it, Nick, it has evolved with your team, but it's not the Hawks. It's the team that traded with the Hawks. And that's the Dallas Mavericks. We've known all along that Mark Cuban does not want to really go through a rebuild and all that. They still got dirt. They still have some several pieces. And they got the guy that they wanted. They felt like when they got the fifth pick, you know, they, they're just, like, kind of mad at the whole drawing and everything, the layout. So they ended up getting their player at the fifth pick. Now they had to give a first-round pick that's, un, that's only protected in the top five next year, which I think will not convey for them. So it's good in the hot sides. But everything else besides that is just a really good. So I like Luca. Um, and then they go down – in the second round, and they get Jalen Brunson as a backup. So they mm-hmm. get the national player of the year to come on in and back up. So just loved everything the Mavericks did. Very risky for the trade, but in their mind, it was their guy. They didn't want to wait anymore. All they had to do was trade one more pick and, and switch through. So that's number one, I mean, big winner in my eyes, just what the Mavericks were able to do, just knowing that they didn't want to rebuild. They have some team that, not saying that they will make the playoffs, but compete. Definitely entertaining. Definitely compete. So I think it. Luca is probably one of the best. I mean, I know on your board, he was up there probably one or two the whole time yeah. on a lot of people's Definitely. boards the same way. So, I mean, you get the most ready pro. He, what else does he have to prove to you? Prove to you? I mean, he's won everything. Definitely knows he's played an extended season, too, over there. It's not like it's a short NCAA season. So, just everything he was able to do, I love it. Dallas now has two people that's going to work in Carlisle's system and just two people with the ball the whole time. I think it's going to work really nice for the Mavs and Mavs fans. So, they're the big yeah. winner. Yeah, I, 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 I don't have them on my, my list of winners um, simply because, like, I don't think – I don't. I, I think they were great to get uh, Luka Doncic. They're not really in in a great position to afford not to have a draft pick next season, though. Um, but they were able to obviously make some some key free agency acquisitions uh, that's gonna that's gonna help them out. 
And I do like I do like the Jalen Brunson pick. Uh, it wasn't what they necessarily needed, but all all in all, I mean, they're going to have a good they're they're going to have at least a good starting five, young young core of Doncic and um, uh, what's his name? What's their point guard's name again? Dennis Smith Dennis Jr. Smith Jr. Dennis Smith, yeah. Uh, I, I like I like the potential of how those two can play with one another uh, because you know you got a slasher who can get to the rim and then you got a guy who's crafty who's going to be looking more to pass and shoot. So I I like the dynamic of the, the how those two players could play together. So I think they definitely they, they definitely got the guy they wanted and, and a guy that that really fits for their team. My my biggest concern would be you know giving up that draft pick, but nevertheless, like you said, if, if that's what it takes to get the guy you want, and if you don't want to go through a rebuild and you want to compete now, then you know maybe not a bad decision. That draft pick might end up being like you said, it's highly highly unlikely they'd make the playoffs, but they might be looking at like having the number ten to number twelve overall pick, and then it's like yeah yeah that's that's worth it giving up. Giving up, you know, uh, like a number twelve pick, and then you know, Trey Young essentially, or Mo Bamba, or you know, whoever they would have taken um, to get Luka Doncic. I mean, I I think I would make that deal. So, uh, so I yeah, I I ultimately can say I um, I don't disagree with you there. Uh, what's your next one? Oh, and just add on top of it, and on top they got the biggest star horse, my guy, Costa Santacupo. So oh, that's right. Traded with Philly with the last yeah. overall pick, and I was like, you know what, Cuban? Might as well just swing for it. What is it going to do? Is it going to hurt you guys? I mean, yeah, hey, I liked it. I, it was just as one of the trades where it was like he got tra- uh, he got drafted last overall, came down between him and the other ball brother, and I was like, who's it going to be? So I liked it for Dallas. So that's just I just a little icing on the cake for me for Dallas. Surprised. I was surprised Raleigh Alkins wasn't drafted out of Arizona, but um, – Apparently, there's been some medical stuff that. Yeah, I was going to say flagged. something got flagged down in his foot. Yeah, so that yeah, created a lot of trouble. Yeah, so that ultimately, but oh, and they got Ray Spalding too out of uh, Louisville, and I, uh, I think he has the potential to be a solid role player. Um, like, definitely not going to be anything crazy, but I mean, if he could be like a, you know, like a like a Nick Collison in his prime, you know, can give you 20 minutes a game, good glue guy, good locker room guy, like. Yeah, it might work out as well. Uh, but, okay, who's your second winner? So my second winner, um, it's kind of tough because you, it's, again, you have a, a loser in the same situation kind of almost, but it's a winning in the, the sense that I really like Denver Nuggets and what they're able to mm-hmm. walk out with. Not a lot of people were excited, but it's a lose. What I'm trying to say is for Michael Porter Jr., flips all the way down to 14, the last pick in the lottery draft, I mean – Thank God, you know, he his, the relief on his face when he was finally picked. But I just love it for Denver. Denver's not a big market that's going to get big names to come to them. And now they have more pieces just to build around Jokic and all that. And their young team with Gary Harris and everyone. So I like it. Not only just the Michael Porter, the picking, but I like Jerry Vanderbilt. They took two guys that were injured and coming up big injuries. But right now they really don't need them. They were able to clear cap space with Wilson Chandler, so they're all good on the cap. They retain Will Barton. So I really like what Denver Nuggets are going to do. They could shut down both of them. 
They could definitely shut down Porter Jr. for the whole year. Vanderbilt just ease him in. He's coming back from an uh, ankle injury. But, man, did they get mm-hmm. two young guys that if injuries didn't riddle them, they would be a way higher pick than they were. And I think that Denver just, like I was saying, just a small market they are. They're not going to get these people to come play for a really good up-and-coming center. And now you have guys that you've drafted that are going to be really well possibly in your system. Michael Porter, the back injury, that kind of scares me too for how long he slipped. Obviously, a lot of the team doctors did not like it and did mm-hmm. not want to choose him. But at Denver's choice, what, what else is there at 14? What are you having to lose at 14? You're having a kid that was once coveted at the beginning of the year as the number one like prospect. Could have been top three if he was fully healthy. So they just they get a win right there. They they get younger. I feel like they're able to shed cap space. I just like where Denver's going for a market they are and what they're able to do. So I just I loved everything that Denver was able to walk. And not a lot of people did because they don't like the two picks with the two injury players. But I think Vanderbilt's a great rebound and a great power forward. Not a lot of people got to see him. And then Michael Porter Jr., like I say, in top one of the – Top kids coming out of the high school last year. It was number one until Bagley Jr. hopped over. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I am 100% like in agreement with you. I think, yeah, you roll the dice. There were there were so many teams that I was just shocked that that didn't roll the dice. I mean, I was I was shocked that the Bulls didn't, and then pretty much any team in between the Bulls and the Nuggets. So I mean, the the kids just too talented for you not to roll the dice if you're in that, you know, mid to late lottery range. It's, it's just, it boggled my mind. It, there had to have been like his, his, his injury report had to have been worse than, you know, what they were kind of leading on. And of course it didn't help that he had to cancel his workout, which, you know, was said that was unrelated to his back injury. Uh, I think it was, um, it's like an ankle or something. Um, but ultimately, I, I also really like, you know, Denver picking him up there. That's Like you said, they're still a young team. Most of their core players are still on their rookie deals. Uh, I think Gary Harris is the only one who's not. Uh, I'm not including Millsap in that. He's, I don't think he's, you know, going to be a part of that team is a foundational piece for a very long time. He's just too old. But Trey Lyles is, uh, Jamal Murray is, Nikola Jokic still has one year on his rookie deal. You throw Michael Porter into that mix, and you got Will Barton as your sixth man. If he, like, he could be just the best player in this draft. I mean, he really could. He has that potential if he can stay healthy and if he can prove to be the Kevin Durant type player that he was sort of built up to be coming out of high school. So yeah, I, again, I'm just, I'm still crazy surprised that he dropped that far, but yeah, uh, totally, totally agree with you on Denver. All right. What's your number three winner? I mean, you had to see this coming from a mile away. I'm not just being a homer when you happen to strike gold with the Celtics. I mean, come on. What else do you need to, like, fall to you at 27? I mean, like, Robert Williams slipping all the way. Yeah, 
There's the issues that, you know, he has his little off-court issues and maybe his needs. But realistically, what did the Celtics need coming into the draft? Like, the one thing that we've always needed was rebounding and a stuffer and someone to run the floor. Oh, and catch some lobs. What is this like? What is this kid known for? All running, running the floor, catching lobs, blocking, and getting rebounds. I mean, I will take whatever risk that they could like put on him at 27. It's just well worth it. I think with his attitude things that he might have, perfect system for him. It's a win-win for both of them. Yeah, he slipped, and you can put that in the losing factor of um, him slipping that far, but. Where he landed, he's playing with a team that's already ready to compete, so he's already going to be out there. He's going to get meaningful minutes behind Aaron Baines. I mean, he's going to learn from one of the greats. Al Horford's going to really teach him. And then you have Brad Stevens as a coach. I mean, kid won, the Celtics won. I just hope that he his off-court issues aren't as serious as people think. But I really think, I mean, he's had the two. He had the miss uh, conference call in the, uh, the right after the draft, and then he missed his flight to the league and miss his first practice, but I think they'll get on to him quick once he's around all those vets. He sees the winning atmosphere. He understands that he might actually be a role on this team. I think it will smarten up big time. And I mean, what could I say? I was going to break something if we skipped on Robert Williams at 27. <laughs> I want to let you know that for real, I would be so mad. There was it got to a point where it was 24, pick 24, 25. And 26, and we were so close. And I was like, I was like, Trailblazers could do it, but I just don't see them. They really need guard depth. And I was like, man, the Lakers, oof. And Robert Williams would be great. And then I was, and and then the Sixers, I was like, I don't have to worry about them. And it just happened perfectly. So, yeah, mm-hmm. Homer, you can call it all you want, but really, in the end, that's a huge win at 27 for the Celtics. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people had him, you know, at like. 10 or 11 or 12, you know, somewhere in that range. I think most boards did. I didn't have him that high, but I think a lot of boards did. Had him in that, that sort of range, maybe as low as 13 or something like that. But the fact that he fell to 27, and it's funny enough that you say you were going to break something because uh, the Hawks broke my heart uh, when, when they decided to trade Luka Doncic. So I, I can emphasize Yeah, I felt that. Right when Rose you, dropped that bomb. You got D- Danny Ainge. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I said, yeah, I felt bad for you. Right when Woj dropped that bomb, I was just like, oh, man, is Nick not going to be happy? What is But, again, I, I, you have to I, look I at much it had a in the future. On air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it was bad. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I do. I like the Robert Williams pick. It's exactly what you guys needed. I, I was fairly certain that you guys were going to either take a big or a, you know, maybe a combo guard, you know, in, in case the smart situation doesn't pan out. And, you know, with with Williams falling that far, I mean, I think it just made it made the decision very, very obvious. And I think, too, just the fact that, like, there are such few teams that need big men. Like it, it's it. Most teams have them, or basically, they're not as coveted as they used to be. Like, sure, the the elite big men are, but after that, you know, I mean, we saw such a huge discrepancy uh, from you know Wendell Carter, and then all the way down to, I mean, I, 
honestly, I kind of feel like Robert Williams is your next, like, true big. Like, you got Mo Wagner, but I don't think he really – I think he's more of a – kind of like a Mike Muscala type, like not like a not like a true big. He's not a bruiser anyway. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that was the, the perfect scenario for them. And you know what's crazy? It sucks for Robert Williams because he was – probably going to be a lottery pick in last year's draft might have even gone top 10 and that's just all these all these players man all these NCAA players who you know you see them on on these draft boards and they're going in the first round and some as high as like the late lottery and they're like you know what I'm going to go back to school and try to like you know win or improve my draft stock or any of that. Same thing with Miles Bridges. Luckily, he didn't really fall off. He just kind of held, you know, you know, served, stayed, stayed where about where he was. I think he probably would have gone number ten to the Kings last year. So, you know, going number twelve this year is probably about the same amount of money. But like that was that was huge. Uh, you know, that's a huge pay cut for him. But maybe it ends up working out for him. You know, maybe it ends up being that like playing for a team like the Celtics with that sort of culture and discipline and everything else around, maybe that makes him more money in the long term. Who knows? It's it's a you know it's a, no I mean no one can really predict it. So but yeah, I, I ultimately agree. Obviously Boston just didn't have a lot going on, but their one pick that they did have, they made it count, they made it work and you know, that was the biggest thing they need. Now if you guys can just get Marcus Smart to not be unreasonable, which we'll get into a little bit later, um, then I think you guys will be set up. Like, it's it very, very promising outlook, of course, as we've talked about plenty of times for Boston, and this only makes the, the rich a little richer. All right, so let me get into my winners, and let's see. Starting with my first winner, and I'm going to go with the Philadelphia 76ers. Did not expect them to be making the kinds of moves that they were making on draft night, having had, you know, <laughs> recently, <clears throat> excuse me, recently fired Brian Colangelo and having Brett Brown run the show. And Brett Brown was just like, shit, I can be a GM too, dude. Like, I, no big deal. Uh, I, I tell you one thing I'm not going to do. I'm not going to, like, trade away future assets to try and move up to get something that doesn't pan out, like, Colangelo, you stupid fucker. Um, but I loved it, man. I loved them trading Bridges for Zaire Smith and Miami's 2021 unprotected first-round pick. There are so few unprotected first-round picks floating around yeah, grab it. Like, that's awesome. That's an asset that could help them uh, get a, a guy like Kawhi Leonard or, you know, somebody else. And that is – I think they won that deal. I think Zaire Smith has every bit of potential to be as good as Mikhail Bridges. And probably – he's definitely more athletic, and I think he's got a lot better potential to be a shot creator than Mikael Bridges. Whereas Mikael Bridges was like kind of the safe pick, you know, your three and D guy. He would fit well with with the Sixers. And I really like the fact that Brett Brown didn't shy away and and just play it safe. He was like, no, I first of all, 
I really like this kid, Zaire Smith. He's got a lot of athleticism. I could see that being something really good for us down the road. Plus, we get an awesome pick, you know, to, to, to play with or use or whatever later on. Awesome, awesome move. My one kind of complaint with them was I don't think they should have taken Landry Chenette at 26. I think a wing like Jacob Evans or Zane Musa would have made more sense or even uh, taking, you know, a big like Robert Williams as your sort of Embiid insurance or even a, you know, a, a, a bigger guy like Amari Spellman uh, who can play the three and can play the four. You know, I, I think that would have made a little more sense to me. You already have so many guards. Uh, I don't. I don't know if that would have been my choice there, but that was my only complaint. I love that they were able to trade uh, the number 38 pick. Uh, they were able to trade it to Detroit for two future second round picks, uh, which Detroit is, you know, pretty much at any given time, a Blake Griffin injury away from being one of the worst teams in the league. So that's good to get two future seconds. You're kind of rolling the dice there, but, you know, doing so in, I think, a, a responsible way. And then to trade number 39 for the uh, Bulls pick next year. Like, the Bulls, they're not going to be, like, that good next year. They might go out and win a few more games, and maybe the pick doesn't end up being as high as 39. Maybe it's, like, 40 or 41, but it's not going to be like, – it's, it's, it's going to be in, in the – you know, mid thirties to mid forties. So that's totally fine. You save a little cap by doing that kind of kick the can down the road. And, you know, they did some, of course, the later trade with, with Dallas that, um, that resulted in them getting shake Milton. Uh, again, don't think you needed shake Milton, especially when you drafted Landry Shamit, but, Overall, I really like what they did at the top, I, and it's really that Mikael Bridges trade. I just think that's fucking genius. Uh, I, I think that's going to work out well for them, and we'll see how it plays out. But that that could that 2021 Miami pick, I think, you know, we we had been talking about potential Kawhi Leonard trades, and that could be something that really holds interest for San Antonio uh, as as you know, something to bring to the table, something a little extra to bring to the table that they had lost because of Colangelo. They didn't have that little something extra to bring to the table because Colangelo traded it away from Marco Fultz. So I think that was a really smart move on Brett Brown's part, and I don't know, I'm really proud of the guy. So I was at least happy with my, my team B uh, with, with their moves. Um, your thoughts on the Sixers? No, yeah, I mean, I had the Sixers almost as one of my wins, too. But like you said, the big thing that kind of just stunned me, I don't know, I mean, I got to see him more, was just the, the Landry Schmidt pick. I just, I don't know. I mean, I hadn't really seen him a lot at Wichita State, so I just went, like you were saying, where you were at right there, you could have got other serviceable guards that could have contributed. But, hey, you know, Brett Brown was definitely running the shop, I mean, I got to love it. I mean, the move of the night. You went from being the classiest act to picking that Philly boy whose mom works in your organization. (laughs) She's really high up. She is super excited. She's all (laughs) cheering. They get, like, he gets drafted. You see how excited she is. She's there talking with him in in his interview. You know, it's the Philly thing. It's a good move for Philly. 
and all that. And then it happens right when he's getting interviewed later on. I mean, imagine that. Wow. You just got traded after this whole time. You thought you were staying in Philly. But, I mean, like you said, I love the trade. Not just because, I mean, getting the Miami pick was just so good. I do not understand what Phoenix was doing. I mean, they that trade in my mind almost put them in the losing bracket. But they're it lucky that too. they were able to pick. They're they're able to get DeAndre Ayton and Akobo, so that kind of yeah. helped them out in my mind. But other than Absolutely. that, what what were you doing? You just put that much in the future with an unprotected, nothing protected. Heat are yeah. on the decline. I'm sorry, everything about the Heat. This and 2021 has been talked about. It could be the year that high school players can be drafted. So everything about that, and you give it away. Now you get a more defense. I understand that, where you're coming from, a good, solid veteran. He can come in, help the team. You know, they're really trying to make up for the defensive efficiencies that Booker comes along. So I understand he works well with Jackson and Trevor Reza. Those are three nice guys now, but still. Philly killed it. Brown, yeah. what a man, dude. Do you uh, deserve a handshake? Do you think everyone in the Philly organization, when he did that trade, they're like, wow, but yeah, way to go. Like, the owner's just like, you're doing big things, man. I might consider you being president. Like, not a lot of teams want to do that anymore. Let a coach in and be a president of basketball and and run the and be coaching. So, I just liked it. I mean, everything, like you said, there is not that much difference right now between Zaire Smith and and – and Mikel Bridges, but, but Zaire has way more upside with his athleticism. He might be I mean, the most athletic player in the draft. Like, oh, yeah. And he's well still young. He, you could tell that he was figuring out how athletic he was last mm-hmm. year at, he, at Tech. Tech. I mean, yeah. he was killing, helping that team. And now he gets to play with Ben Simmons and a fast offense and just throwing the ball and lob. It's going to be less pressure on me. I'm not the kid from Philly. I'm not this three, you know. I think, yeah, Philly, you just did, like, I hate it because, you know, there are rivals, but, man, everything that Philly did and that, <laughs> when Brett Brown did that trade, I did not see it coming at all. And when, once you really thought about it and you know that you got this unprotected first-round pick in 2021, it just is so much sweeter of a sound. I mean, no Philly fan can be mad. Yeah, you could, his mom could be mad, but then again, she if she's a true Sixers fan, she better know they won that trade and better made the biggest PR. Brown did it again. What a man. Helping our organization yeah. one step out of a time. Trust the process. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, that's exactly what it made me think of is just trust the process. I mean, yeah, I just I, – I can't speak highly enough about that deal. I think it's great. By the way, um, do you think – just because I, I, like you, don't have them on my losers list, but um, I had to consider it. But obviously getting – when you get eight and then you get a Kobo, like I, I really like – you know, um, I, I started kind of really getting high on a Kobo. Um, near the end, and the fact that they got him at 31, I think is great. But do you think that they might play run Booker at the point? Like, what? Like, I don't understand why you would trade that whole slew of stuff to get Mikael Bridges when you already have Josh Jackson. They're kind of the same player, at least on the defensive end. 
Um, obviously, Jackson's kind of more athletic slasher, and Mikel Bridges is like that kind of three and D spot up shooter. Um, but like, then you then you sign Ariza, and you already have T.J. Warren. Like, I, I'm curious. I I kind of think they might be looking at Devin Booker and saying, we want you to be James Harden. Like, we want you to be our version of James Harden. We want you to have the ball in your hands. They tested it out a good bit last year, and maybe that's going to be the route that they go, and they're going to, you know, long-term be looking at putting Mikael Bridges and Josh Jackson next to him, essentially to, to, you know, make them more defensively sound. And then, of course, you got Aiden on the in the paint uh, along with Bender, Chris, or you know whoever else maybe they get in free agency in the future. But do, does that make sense to you? Do you think that's a possibility? And do, would you like to see that, or do you think Booker kind of fits better as like your your archetypal um, two guard? No, um, I did read that too that they might test Booker out. I don't think it projects well for them. I mean, I've watched Booker since he was in Kentucky. He's just a really good two-guard, really off-ball. He can set it up, but I just think running the offense. But what you said, I mean, all the people that they have on their team, the one through four if they want to run. I mean, the one through five, if they want to run him at the point, would be him at point. Then you go Bridges at the two or T.J. Warren, just depending on who's playing better. Then you go uh, Ariza, Jackson, Ayton. So I understand it. I think it just gives them more defensive um, Depth because Mikel is more in my mind, and I think they understand too that he's a six man almost, where he's going to come off yeah. the bench. So he'll be the first one off the bench running that second unit. So he'll be switching between the two and the three. I think Ariza will be starting. I think Josh. Uh, I think Jackson's actually going to be moved down to the power forward spot. He needs to put on a little bit more weight, but he's almost like um, Tatum, uh, just you know, same size can definitely play. Is uh, the more of a three, but he can play well against the fours and defensively he can probably hold his weight so I think that's where they'll put Jackson so but yeah I mean I didn't like Phoenix too I the best part about the draft was not only did I not like Phoenix but DeAndre Ayton for a second there when they drafted Zaire Smith how mad he was on TV it was like did anyone text him it was like hey man this is going to be your teammate we really know you wanted the other uh, holiday brother but that didn't happen. Stop bragging. And then they traded and they explained. And then he kind of still didn't really make up for it. Cause he really, that I think Phoenix, if they would have walked away with the holiday brother and not done the trade, that would have just been a super win. But you know, they, I don't know what they didn't see in Aaron holiday. DeAndre Ayton really saw, it, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I guess they're going to have to really figure some things out in Phoenix next year. And I mean, I could see Booker being there, James Harden or, you know, Dante Mitchell, I mean Mitchell, but Dante Mitchell, but no, I, I just, I don't know. I just think he's just a two guard. He's, he's a Kobe almost. Like Kobe didn't run yeah. the point for the Lakers at any time. He just is a boss at the two. Oh, he did, he did later in his career, and he was great at yeah, it. Yeah, later, later, later in his career. I remember he had, he had, he had like team three was tri- terrible. He had like three. Yeah, but he had like. They played really well when he did the, the he he had like three games in a row with with double digit assists and I remember like because you know in sports talk that's all it takes you get three games in a row with Kobe dishing out ten plus assists and it's like 
is Kobe Bryant transitioning into playing point guard? And he was like very quick to be like, nah, I ain't no point guard. Like I just had a, I just had three games in a row where I had a lot of assists. Like I do pass sometimes, but uh, anyway, uh, we got to move on. We're already um, about 30 minutes in and we haven't even gotten to, to losers. Um, so winner uh, number two, I really like, and this one's, I, I didn't want to pick one as the same as you. I had a couple uh, that you picked as well, but I really, really, really love what Minnesota was able to pull off. I really like Josh Okogie. I was, like, looking at what was available for the Hawks. I would have much rather us taken Okogie than uh, Kevin Verter, even though I I realized that he is, like, a, a excellent knockdown shooter. And so the, the thought process is you, you get those, those two knockdown shooters and, and Herter and, and Trey Young, and, and you, you know, start building with that. Uh, and, and, you know, what else, the other pieces that you have in place. However, uh, I really like Josh Okogie. He's, he's a scorer, man. He's going to be, I think, not to mention he's a sophomore uh, coming out of Georgia tech. So I think he's got that little extra year of experience I think he is going to certainly fill in for those Jamal Crawford minutes as long as Thibodeau plays him. I think he will be really, really good for them. Uh, they, they, that's what they really needed once you know Crawford said, you know, I'm, I'm not coming back. They really needed a guy who could go uh, come off the bench and, and get buckets. And I think, I think Okogie could be very, you know, very solid at that. And he's a little undersized, but he's got a large wingspan, and he um, is a reasonably athletic guy. You know, uh, he's he's not like a Zaire Smith, but he's he's um, he's fairly athletic. Uh, and then, of course, them landing Kada Bates Diop at forty-eight, bro, like. Defensive-minded, we've talked him up a good bit, and I couldn't believe he fell to 48. I was That was the, the biggest fall of anybody on my big board. I think I had him at like 23 or 27 in that range. And the fact that he fell all the way there, defensive-minded player, 6'9", big dude, uh, can play like really anywhere between a 2 and a 4, more of a 3 and a 4 kind of guy. I, I just think the fact that they needed both of those positions so bad and they got them like they got, and he is a junior. So you get, again, you're getting like experienced guys who can come in and, and hopefully contribute right away and make an impact right away. And they're both kind of like Thibodeau guys. Like, so it doesn't surprise me at all that, that he drafted them, but the fact that they were able to, to draft Bates Diop that late in the draft was, I, I think, was was stellar for them, and just filling the positions that they need and getting the type of guys that they need and uh, filling that depth on that roster because we know how badly they need it. So I really, really like what Minnesota was able to accomplish, especially given that you know they only had the number twenty and number forty-eight pick going into the draft. So I think they're definitely a winner in my book. Your thoughts? Oh, no, I mean, I, like I said, I always think Thibodeau is a terrible coach, and I will have nothing change my mind, but he is a good GM. And like uh-huh. you said, he got two positions that he really needed badly. And I think, like you said, he 
he hit home run like I'm not home runs, but he 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 really did really well at like what he did at like the spots that you're at. Like you said, they kept their draft picks. They had forty eight in the second round. And like you say, big steal as well with Bates the up. I mean, defensive player, uh Big Ten player of the year. I mean, kid is really like your typical like three and D guy. He's got like NBA size. Like what do you need from mm-hmm. him else? Like you said he can play anything from the two through the four. And then you get a Kogi in the first round, which at first, um, I thought, you know, they could have flip flopped it and, and but a Kogi would have got picked up way faster than uh uh they up. So I liked it. I mean, he had the fastest lateral time at the draft combine, so he's really quick on his feet. I think, like you, you said, go. him yeah. being that w- one more year on his just, uh, resume, being a sophomore, just was really good. He was Mr. Georgia Tech, was from a really good coach, too. So I think Minnesota, you know, did really well. Tom Thibodeau is showing that he's, he's a good GM. Now let's see how good of a coach he is and if he actually plays these guys rather than running his players to the ground like he's known for. Now I think it really frees up time. I think they could come in, not like straight out of the gate, but really come in meaningful and really help them out. I mean, Minnesota was the eighth seed last year, or what are they, the seventh? The eighth. Yeah, so like you say, they're already a team that was already on the fringe. There's some other teams. So I think this helps them out um, a lot and just everything that they need to do, like get more depth in their team because the bench was just terrible. They relied way too much on their starters, and now they get two serviceable guys that can switch. I mean, Akogi can probably cover defensively one through the three solidly, definitely the two's disposition, and uh, Bates Diop can go two through the four where three is more of his position, and they're coming off the bench, so – I'm actually looking forward to watching them in Minnesota, seeing how well they can play together, because I think they're going to play together for a while unless something drastically happens to that team where that one of them moves up to the starting lineup. But I think a big, big things Thibodeau was, and I don't ever say this about him, but big things he did during the draft. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. We, we've been impressed with the Timberwolves for two straight seasons in their offseason, just – Man, he just he just grinds his players into the ground. But you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, and you know, I don't think it would be possible for for the the team, you know, the president to go go to him or the owner or whatever, and go to him and say, "Hey, man, like you make really good decisions. Could you like do that, and we'll let somebody else coach?" I don't think that's gonna happen. So. But anyway, uh, I've got an honorable mention before uh, I, I give my last one. Just I want to give a little love to the Spurs. Lonnie Walker at 18, that's a great pick. Like, that's awesome. I was so, like, like looking at, like, <laughs> Troy Brown, Zaire Smith, Dante DiVincenzo, and Lonnie Walker all going, like, 15, 16, 17, 18, right before the, the Hawks are picking. I was like, God, why couldn't one of those guys fall into us? Um, but hey, that's that's the way the cornbread crumbles. Uh, and and Chemezi Matu at 49, like a, you know, pretty much a a, a big uh, like a, a small big small ball big, but he can spread the floor. He doesn't have the the like links that you want on a on a guy to be like your your everyday big. But I I like the guy. I think it, he's going to 
play really well, and I think him going to San Antonio is probably going to be something that, that you know really really benefits him. But uh, but uh, I do want to show some love uh, to uh, our other hosts, Joel and Juwan. I really like what the Knicks did. I really like Kevin Knox. He really started to grow on me going into the draft. I was very floored that they didn't take Michael Porter Jr., but I really like Kevin Knox. I think he's going to be good. I think if he can just get a little more consistent from three-point range, I think he shot 34% last year in college. But he can play the three, he can play the four. That's going to you know, fit well immediately and down the road, whether they want to go big or small with Porzingis at the four or the five. And speaking of Porzingis at the four or the five, they then take Mitchell Robinson at number 36. I was surprised he fell that far. But again, it's the same thing with Robert Williams. There's like just not a market for bigs. There's all of these wing players are, are, you know, which is another reason why I thought Bates the out falling so far. It's like, dude, he's a wing player. How did he fall that far? But getting Mitchell Robinson, who we know has all the potential, like he's had a weird kind of comedy of errors, but the fact that you got a center, you needed a center, and you got a a wing, and you really needed a wing. Now, you still you – still, kind of need a point guard unless Neil Aquina really develops into a point guard or um, um, uh, oh shit what's his name uh, the the dude from Utah um, ends up you know kind of Trey revitalizing Burke? I'm sorry Trey Burke no 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 not Trey Burke he's a, he's a backup at best um, he's like spark plug you know, kind of guy like a T.J. McConnell or whatever. No, uh, Moutier. Uh, like, I think Moutier could, um, you know, under under some new coaching and, and with with the right kind of uh, game plan and everything, I, I still think he has a lot of potential. And I, I think that's a possibility. But you only got one year to figure that out, and then you're looking at having to offer him a contract extension. So that's, that's going to be the really tricky part in that situation. But the fact that they were able to get a wing and a center – uh, and, and, and a center that has all of this potential and, and could have easily had, you know, through different sets of scenarios, been a lottery pick almost, you know, or at least, you know, you know, in your in your top 20 or something like that, uh, given the right scenario. That's awesome. That's an awesome get for the Knicks. And, you know, that pick was, you know, all because that – you know, they were, like, trying to get rid of Mello, and they ended up – that was, like, the one, like, little tiny sweetener that Sam Presti could throw in uh, in that deal. And it looks like they may have their center, you know, of the future if everything pans out. So, I, I, I do. I really like what the Knicks were able to do. I know. I mean, Knicks fans don't think this, but then again, the year that they drafted Kristoff, they did not think that they did well. I mean, they booed. Not, but he said, bring the booth because I'm going to prove you wrong. I mean, they could chant Michael Porter Jr. all they want, but Knox has no red flags on his back, so that's way more of an upside. The kid's younger than Porter Jr., so there's more to him. They're basically the same size and everything and athleticism, and Knox was really coming into it at the end of that Kentucky year. was really starting to hit his strides. I mean, really bring them 
down the run the SEC tournament, him and uh, Gillis Alexander. So it was really the team. I mean, for the longest time, it was just the whole team was around him, put too much pressure on him. But, I mean, I don't think Knicks fans understand what they got with this kid. I mean, you were cheering Michael Porter Jr., but you got a kid that was pretty much everything size for size, like body-wise and everything, almost matches up with Porter Jr., but there's no injury for him. And he, I think he's going to do really well. He can play the three. He can play the four. They probably want him to play the four, but he wants to play the three. But, I mean, he's been working on his three-point shot, so I really like it. And then, like you're saying, um, Mitchell Robinson, the only other person, so where the Celtics were at, in my mind, if Robert Williams off the board, I was telling everyone they better take a risk on this kid, Mitchell Robinson, because, yeah, he's had some weird things that happened to him last season with leaving school and all that, but I just really think it was an unfortunate circumstance, but he's just a really – he was the same age as DeAndre Ayton and all of them. He's been playing against them all their life, so he's, he's been able to keep up with the bigs. He's a high-flying big who can catch lobs and block shots. I mean, what else do you need from – a center right now for the Knicks. So, I mean, I think he'll be really good coming off the bench uh, for Ennis Cantor. And I think, you know, you can ease him into it. He's not going to have to come out, like, right at the back and, and be a starter. So, I think Knicks fans right now probably not a lot of them think that they won unless you were a Knox fan and you just understand that this kid has some freakish length. He is super young, figuring out basketball, and he's just really hitting his stride and you knew that, or you just were really bummed that you passed on Michael Porter Jr., but I, like I said, I mean, Knox, I've watched him all year. He was a great basketball player for Kentucky. They put a lot on his shoulders from day one when he really was still figuring out the game, and at the end of the year, he really showed big strides, and I think the Knicks, the Knicks in a, in, in a year or so, all the fans, it'll be a reverse of why did we do at Kevin Knox, but Hey, he said it. He said bring on the booze. It's welcoming. You know, it's going to motivate him, and he's going to show him why that Michael Porter Jr. wasn't the, the good pick. Yeah, I mean, we'll we'll see how that all pans out. I mean, I still would have gone with Michael Porter Jr., but I really like Kevin Knox, and that was, that was my pick for the Knicks because I thought Porter Jr. would be off the board by then. I just I, – I think it's great, and I think the fact that they have the potential for – opening up a max salary spot next season. They, if they can develop, you know, these two young players, get Kristaps healthy, add another solid draft pick, and sign like a Kimball Walker, or, you know, if you're Joel or Juwan, you somehow think that Kyrie Irving is going to go to the Knicks, um, which, you know, maybe if they could open up the cap room to get Jimmy Butler too, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, but I, I don't see that happening. But nevertheless, that uh, that's that's they got a lot of things to be excited about uh, in NYC, um, and and not to mention David Fisdale. So uh, very exciting time for the for Knicks fans. Uh, but anyway, let's let's move on. Um, I want to kind of consolidate our losers uh, just to just to save a little bit of time. So um, just give me like bang 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 your your three losers. Um, and then if, if I have any to overlap with you, you know, I'll just, I'll just, you know, throw in, uh, the ones that didn't. So who are your three losers? Uh, my three losers, I'm going to try to make it fast cause I don't want to just keep on going on about them. Cause they just, a lot of them just made me so mad and what they did, but 
One of my big losers was the Clippers, man. I mean, I feel bad yeah. for all Clippers fans. A, you had two picks in the lottery, and you didn't choose to move up in the draft, which, okay, that's fine. You know, I'm fine with that. I really am, you know. We'll take 12 and 13. But then you do something really foolish with, in my mind, where you trade with the 11 pick, which I don't even know that hold really trade with the Hornets right now, but it just really sounded really dumb with me, in my mind. Were you really that worried that the Charlotte Hornets were going to draft Gillis Alexander – and just keep them with having Kimba Walker there? Like, no, they were never going to do that. So you really just put the panic button on to flip it one spot. So They goaded them, them into it. But, but no, you know, no, I, I no understand. Pun, no pun intended. I know. I, I, I understand MJ that. Charlotte. So they get, they get the point guard. So, you know, they, they get Shea Gillis-Alexander. So, you know, they, they got there. So you're like, okay, Clippers, now you can take – a swing at something crazy, and you can Michael Porter Jr. still there. You can go for that risk, right. or you can go for the risk of Robert Williams, who everyone thought you're gonna go. And you know, you can get these players where you're gonna go big, go go a go a small and go a big. No, you know what they did? They added to a position that they already had before the draft. Right when they get Chegulatize, I want to say they have like seven guards. This is before you know they made the Austin Rivers trade, but they get Jerome Robinson. Yeah. Wow, did this kid climb up the board, man. Like, yeah. out of nowhere, I started with him in the, the the lateral of the second round and then kind of that, like, early second round and then kind of, like, our last draft board. I, I think I had him, like, going right at the end, I think, to the 76ers. But, man, what? That was your home run swing? Like, that was <laughs> just your – you're just going to go for it? Like, wow. I would have – Michael Porter was one pick away. Like, who cares about the back? You've got to play Griffin. You've already dealt with crazy injuries like that. And you saw, like, the injuries, yeah, but you had some of your greatest years with that. But you didn't make the swing for – Not and then Robert Williams, is his, is his attitude that bad? But then again, like, what really made me more mad about that is Jerome Robinson's kind of like, you know, he's – He's, he's a two-guard, but one-guard. But I would have chose Lonnie Walker. If I was going to go straight yeah. guard at that position, and I'm not going to go with the one-slash-two, which, from, you know, they have him at the two now, but he played one uh, at the beginning of his years at Boston College. So it's kind of like, what is he? But so, but I don't he's know. Like everything that that they could have done, I mean, man, I just – that was it, – so I'm sorry. I told you I wouldn't I – would, I would try not to go <laughs> on about it because, you know – they just that was yeah, well, one that made me mad. So. Yeah, let me just add this. Uh, I don't. I was baffled that they passed on MPJ. I thought for sure they would take. I thought okay, Shea Gilgis, MPJ, like not bad. Like good job, guys. Y'all, y'all ended up getting you know uh, a guy who could have gone number three at number thirteen. You didn't have to trade up to get him. Like great. And then so they passed on that. But then after drafting Robinson, then they, they re-signed Avery Bradley to a two-year deal. <laughs> and I was just like, why? Like, what are you doing? Like, I don't understand. what. And, and like, Jerry West is involved in everything, and, you know, you, you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. Okay, next one. Alright, so the next one I was debating on, it's, it was going to be two teams that, why did you really choose this player? But one, like, I'm just not going to Put it against the Magic. Yeah, you really didn't need a center, but Muhammad Bama still is better than any of the centers you have on the team. So I understand. And that, but and were you going to really take Colin Sexton at that point? I I wouldn't. Yeah, exactly. I I think so. Where they're at, they just it was a good pick. So I'm not. But 
The other team that I didn't understand choosing the big, just because there's other people that made sense in my mind, because they're a high-flying, moving team, was Lakers with Wagner. And I understand he's a Wagner, stretch. Yeah. yeah, Wagner. He's a stretch big that can shoot threes. But other than that, like, what does this kid have bring to the table? Like, I don't see him really moving really fast and high-flying or getting you the ball down low and all that. Like, I, yeah, I see him spacing the floor, but I really didn't understand the Lakers pick. I mean, they were the ones that had me scared. I mean, Williams would have been perfect for you guys to be able to move as fast as with Lonzo Ball and LeBron and all that. This is before, you know, you have LeBron, but still, like, with Ball and all that and that high-flying offense. I just I didn't really understand the and like, maybe he could come back the first, you know, his first game – in summer league, he had a very good performance. But then again, I mean, you're in summer league and all that. But I just, I don't know. It was something that kind of yeah, baffled like I said, me about. It. I just thought like they could have gone better with. Yeah. And and, and Mike Muscala is not a bad player. He's a good player to have. But would would I taking Mike Muscala like at number twenty five? No, I would not. Definitely not. Uh, so yeah, I, I I can I can get on board with that one. Um, all right. Uh, was was that it, or you got one more? I got one more, and I'll make it really quick, mm-hmm. and it's Portland Trailblazers. They really disappointed me. I understand you need to back up guard depth and all that, but you really went young with it when you kind of have players that are wanting to compete now, so the players that you've right. got are more pro- projects and, like, they're projected to be really good. But I think you could have gone with a Jacob Evans that could have been a really good service- serviceable guard, even Landry Shamet. If he's that good, I mean, but, I mean, I understand the Simmons kid, but he's still super, super young. I mean, he's still just mm-hmm. right out of high school. He really hasn't played even college kid. He's just been playing. He was a second-year senior, a grad student. So, And then um, Diablo, I mean, come on, he traded for that, and he really splits. I mean, he has super athleticism, but, I mean, if you were going to draft guards, I think they could have went with the Minnesota route or – you could have got a Jacob Evans and a uh, base Diop, and that would have been a yeah. way better for Portland. But they went with two huge project players that have athletic upside, but you don't really know how to project IQ basketball-wise with a team that you do need guard depth, so I understand that, but a team that your two guards are wanting to compete and you're a competing team, so these kids aren't going to be anything for you. They're, like, they're at least two years away from at least being something for the team. Right. Yeah, no, I, I ultimately agree with you. Um, I'm just going to throw two out there really quickly. I think the Kings really fucked up. The Kings, not in the fact that they took Marvin Bagley, but the fact that the Kings would have been the perfect team to take Luka Doncic and trade down because they need a lot of different shit. They don't have their draft pick next season, so they really could use the extra draft pick. So you could play this out. Say they take Doncic – maybe the Hawks take then take Bagley and then of course Memphis stays pat and goes with Jaron Jackson then you could trade Doncic for Mo Bamba and the Dallas pick like that would have been a great move for the Kings to have made uh, I I guess you know they just weren't in that sort of mindset of, of making those kinds of moves and I don't know why they wouldn't be like it doesn't make it baffles me. It doesn't make any sense to me that they wouldn't have attempted to do that. And let me play out another scenario for you. Maybe they 
they they make that that selection, and then the Hawks are like, well, damn, we wanted to get an extra asset, but we you know we really do like Trey Young, so we're going to take him at three. Then you got either Jaron Jackson or Marvin Bagley falling to you at five. Um, so I think any way you cut it, like maybe you still get the guy that you wanted in Bagley. Maybe your consolation prize is Jackson. Worst case scenario, you you get Bamba. I don't understand it. I like I don't get it. I don't know why the Kings would not have had the foresight to to get involved with the Mavericks in the same sort of trade negotiations that the uh, the Hawks did. Especially you you would have to think the Mavericks would have been on the phone with them because they would have. You know, up until the last like three or four days leading up to the draft, there was still a lot of speculation that they were going that the Kings were going to take Luka Doncic. So you have, you, I feel like if the Kings weren't involved in those in those talks, then it's just negligence on the part of Wade Divac. And that I don't know, man. I I think I think they missed a huge opportunity. Uh, and also, of course, got to go with my Atlanta Hawks. They uh, drafted the guy that I thought was the perfect fit for us at, at number three. Granted, we did get, you know, some some awesome draft consideration next next year for for trading down two spots, and I, I you know I get that. Um, and I like Trey Young. I, I I think he's going to be a really good player. I don't think he's the next Steph Curry, um, mainly because a Steph Curry. I, I've said this before. I think he's such a a product of his environment, and I don't mean that as a knock on the guy, but like the reason Steph Curry is Steph Curry has as much to do with having Clay Thompson and Draymond Green around him, you know, from you know his ascension, and I mean having those two defensive-minded players, and then you know taking so much of that responsibility off of Steph, it really has allowed him to become this larger-than-life type of player. So I, I, I think if he's in a different circumstance, he's still really good, but he's not the unanimous MVP. You know what I mean? So I, I think I think there's there's a, a lot of fear in my mind that Trey Young is not as good as Steph, and you're still going to have to put the pieces around him to make it work. So with that being said, we draft a guy in Kevin Herter at 19 who I just – I have a lot of questions about defensively. It's one of the reasons why I think Josh Okogie would have been the better fit. Uh, I didn't even know you, you had mentioned that his lateral quickness was, was really high. Maybe you said the highest in the combine this season? Yeah, he had the, he had the, the number one in this, in this draft combine. Yeah, like, dude, yeah, give me that guy. Uh, you know, another guy who can score, who can shoot, uh, not as consistent. I, I don't think projects as consistent of a three-point shooter, but, like, give me that guy who can, you know, who's who's quick on his feet and can guard, you know, can can help shield uh, Trey Young in, 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 you know, taking the – the better offensive player on the on the defensive end, and you know I thought that would have been good. I do like Amari Spellman. I think that was a good selection. Uh, I think he kind of fits what we need. He could play the three, he could play the four. We need somebody to to you know essentially you know back up uh, Collins or potentially play the four when Collins is is we're going small and Collins is playing the five. So I I really do like the Amari Spellman pick. Not to mention clutch three point shooter. 
I think that's something that, you know, we could really use off the bench, uh, you know, for the time being and, and maybe down the road, I think he could be a legit, you know, starter on a, on a contender, um, like as a fourth or fifth, you know, starter essentially. So I do like that pick, but then, you know, Number 34, we, we Mitchell Robinson was there. Like, we need a center. Like, why would you not take Mitchell Robinson? I don't understand. I, again, I like acquiring two future second-rounders from Charlotte, uh, especially because they look like they're about to go into a rebuild. So we get one next year and then one in a few years. I, like, that's all fine and good, but, like, I – I would be fine with it if Mitchell Robinson wasn't on the table, but like he was, and you know, granted, you know, he's he's a project. Like we all get that, but the Hawks have plenty of time. I would have been so much happier had we just like it it was the the slew of different moves that we made that just kind of progressed to make me feel more and more like, uh, what the fuck are we doing? Like, I don't understand. And I'm just crossing my fingers that, uh, Travis Schlink, uh, otherwise known as, uh, for, for the people in Atlanta who don't like him is Travis D. Schlink, um, uh, is making, is making the right moves. And my, my biggest fear is that he is just solely trying to recreate golden state. And it's like, dude, you're trying to recreate lightning in a bottle and that doesn't usually work, but I don't know. We'll see. Uh, looks like the Hawks are getting into a scrap right now with Utah. I maybe trade. Oh, you know who it is. Grayson Allen and your boy. I love it. Well, at least. Can I inject real quick on your two losers? Okay, I won't go yep. in the second. I, mean, I kind of agree with you, and I kind of don't. I just, I mean, I like the Marvin Bagley trade, but I understand what you're saying. So, but I feel like I've been having a tough all my Hawks friends out of like climbing off the the edge of the cliff. First off, I need to ask you this real quick: Who was your favorite pick out of all the the Was it um, the Spellman? Yeah, the Spellman was the guy who I thought I I liked us picking him there. Um, like, I mean, I, I think my, like my favorite pick, you know, aside from the disappointment of how we got him is Trey Young. Like I like Trey Young. Uh, it's just like, we could have had Luka Doncic, you know? Uh, but yeah. So like bang for buck or whatever. Yeah, I do. I really like Amari Spillman. Okay. So it, all the hot sun so that's kind of funny, but, um, no, I mean, I understand where you're coming from. I mean, the Trey Young thing is the, the big race, I feel like, but, uh, the Hoarder, I feel like, yeah, uh, Josh Okogie has, you know, a little bit more defensive upside, but no one has, like, footwork and shot, like, able, like, to, like, create his own shot than right. who you drafted. So, I really like that pick. Yeah, he was injured, and it was uh, it was surprising when you guys were the team that actually, uh, you might have not been the team that promised him because he, he had to get that surgery on his arm, but I really right. do believe in that pick. Like you said, you know, defensively helps us prove himself, but I think he might be able to, show himself, but what, I mean, I just, what I love, I mean, you almost did what the Celtics did last year. I mean, we moved, we, we moved two spots back. We got our guy and we got a future pick. I mean, next year I've been telling you, I mean, I really, yes, Luka Doncic is it, but I really think that Atlanta's had their eyes on RJ Bear forever. He's also a Luka Doncic exact player. So you kind of, maybe you know, they thought we're already in a rebuilding. That's who we're trying to go for. If we can get that number one and that's everything that we want to get. And then you could possibly get 
a, a six on and a Cam Reddish, I mean, you have the chance to watch Duke next year and see two players that you could be drafting to come on your team. And I mean, that, that right there, I mean, Atlanta, you're, I mean, I mean, I, I did too, but I had to watch Jason Tatum. I had to to go back and watch Jason Tatum film when we, we drive him because I really didn't watch him that much. But then I did watch the ACC tournament. So I saw him ball out, but I mean, I really want to watch him, but I mean, yeah. Duke's going to have three players that are definitely you, the Atlanta Hawks could be drafting. And I just think R.J. Barrett is Luka Doncic, but, you know, I think they have more – they're more excited about him coming up next year and where Atlanta's at rebuilding. They think they could be at the number one spot picking for him next year. I mean, we'll see. We'll see how it all goes. It's a lot of what-ifs. Um, I also um, am, am kind of disappointed that we – still have yet to use our, our salary cap space for anything of any significance. And now you have, like, I'm just, of course, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. But, like, let's say you take Luka Doncic. Let, let, let's go back even further than that. Let's say you don't make the Dwight Howard trade. And then you just buy him out this year. Plus, you're still drafting, which, which I know that could change a lot of things. But I don't think it would change that much. We were still going to suck. So, let's say – you draft Luka Doncic, and then you got all these. You don't have Plumlee's contract on there. Then you got two max spots, and then you got like say, you know, Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler wanting to team up. What if Luka Doncic just takes the league like Donovan Mitchell did, and then they're like, hey, let's go play with this Luka Doncic kid? Like, I don't know. I'm, I'm. It, it, it just hurts. Your me, devil's advocate went into fantasy unicorns flying oh, around. No. Oh, it totally did. Oh, it totally did. But these are the things that keep me up at night, you know. Uh, But anyway, we got to move on. we still got a lot to talk about. And Jawan Carter is on the phone with us now. Jawan, what's up, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Can you guys hear me? Yep, we can hear you just fine. Uh, Sorry, you know, when it comes to me and Luke talking, uh, talking NBA draft stuff, we're gonna we're gonna ramble. That's just that's just how it is. Um, No, I I liked it because I wanted to get in on uh, what you guys are saying about uh, Knox. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Our our resident Knicks fan, along with Joel, of course. Um, So yeah, what did you think about them picking up Knox and then picking up Mitchell Robinson? Uh, I I mentioned to Luke and uh, Joel like a little before the draft that the Knicks were definitely going to be getting not. So I looked at his, um, you know, just some highlights of what he was doing in college and everything. And I liked what I saw. I'll tell you this. I liked what I saw from him way more than I liked what I saw from uh, Frank Nellikina when they drafted him. Uh, So I felt a lot more confident about uh, how good he looked and how really good he could uh, turn into – how really good he could turn into. What I love the most about this pick is what Fisdale just said um, when he was uh, asked uh, by the media about, um, you know, him having so much length with his guys. He was talking about putting Knox at the two, Frank at the one, Chris stops at the four, um, and then kind of filling out with, with more of their longer guys. And he was saying, I want to see what, what teams do against our length. Like, we have athletic and, and lengthy guys. What are you going to do when I put out a lineup one through five that's just lengthy, that's just long, and you have to deal with yeah. that kind of length? So he was just throwing around a whole bunch of different ways that he could uh, attack this Knicks lineup. And I love what this guy has vision for the Knicks going forward, regardless if we get those big names or not. I really like what he's doing with the youth, and I'm a huge fan of Knox. Yeah. 
and you know, you know, like we were saying about Mitchell Robinson, like, I mean, the, the kid's got a ton of potential. You needed a center. That's that's the kind of player you know you you you're rolling the dice on. But he could end up being a super high quality uh, NBA starting center. Like he and would be like a top like a top fifteen center in the league someday, uh, and maybe even better. Like I mean. It, it just depends. I mean, there's so many good centers that are, you know, starting to like the centers making a comeback in in the league. But like, hey, he's got a lot of potential. Like, he could flame out. Like, he could be Hashim to beat. But you didn't take him at number two. You took him at number 37. So it's well worth the risk. Right. And I love what uh, Luke said. Last thing I'm gonna say about the Knicks, so we can move on. I love what what you said, Luke, about the fact that you don't have to throw him into the fire because you have Cantor. What I love about that kid is if he like if he looks really good in the summer league and then he looks really good in the preseason and he looks really good starting off the year, remember, and I don't know if Fizdale will take this approach. This was the approach of the last regime. But last year they did not play cancer in uh, late-game situations in the fourth. So if this kid can defend, just defend. We don't need you to score. We got one through four for that. Just defend. I would really like to have that kind of length out there on the floor helping, uh, you know, uh, the rest of those guys. And then when KP gets back, that's going to be a really scary thing to, uh, you know, to put out there. If you can have this guy really step up and defend, especially protecting the rim, and then have KP come back, and then you got Knox, all that length, man. It, it just – the future is really bright with some of these young guys that they have with Fizdale uh, at the helm of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Let's move on. We got a few other things to talk about. One that I'm really excited to talk about is the ongoing saga that is Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it's, it certainly seems like it's inevitable uh, that he's going to be traded. Uh, according to sources, Fulton Brown have not been offered by the Sixers or Celtics to this point. The Lakers are still the prohibitive favorites, but what package it would take is still up in the air. The Spurs are said to not actually be actively shopping him, but sort of waiting for an offer that blows them away. I, I, and and I, I read something or, or heard something the other day. I think it might have been from Chris Broussard, I want to say, but it might have been somebody else who, um, you know, was saying that obviously uh, Pop is going to be the the coach for for Team USA, and that uh, Kawhi Leonard is supposed to play on the team, so maybe he's hoping to get a chance to talk to him then. But I also read another report today that was, like, saying Kawhi's camp, like, actively tried to keep him away from the Spurs last season. There's just I, there's just so much smoke, dude. Like, I, I feel like, you know, and we've talked about it ad nauseum, but I feel like the writing's on the wall – uh, I feel like it's going to be the Lakers or the Sixers. I don't think Boston I, – I, I'm with you, Luke. I don't think Boston – I don't think Ainge – I don't think he's going to give up, like, enough to what for, like, what it's going to take for – you know, I, I just think that they could. They absolutely could. But I think the Sixers and the um, the Lakers are going to be more actively trying and, and making offers that are better than whatever Boston makes – uh, as far as you know, getting young talent because I don't, I just don't see a, a scenario in which the Celtics give up, you know, part of part of their young core. I could see Rozier, um, but I, I, I don't know. 
Um, but anyway, Jawan, uh, what are your thoughts on this ongoing Kawhi, and, and do, who do you think ends up, you know, eventually getting him? Do you think it's the Lakers? Do you think it's Philly? Do you got a dark horse? Um, I, I want to bring up something that Matt Barnes said today on uh, Colin Colhart's show. Uh, the biggest thing that he was saying was somewhat bugging him was, we've never heard anything from Kawhi's mouth, only his camp. Never heard not one single word from Kawhi. And I told you last time we talked about this, Nick, um, I think it's less Kawhi and more his uncle. I told you I get nervous anytime you you fire um, your agent to hire family because then your best interests aren't necessarily what their their biggest focus is. They're thinking about how they can better themselves. I mean, regular agent does the same thing. Um, but you would assume family would have a, you know, a, a more, like, better insight on what's best for you. If it does not look like he's playing, uh, his uncle is doing what's best for Kawhi. Looks like his uncle's doing what's best for him. I mean, he's talking about a Philly team uh, that he lives not too far, uh, you know, not too far from that he would love to see his uh, nephew go to, and then the Lakers. So it's just like it seems more like what his uncle wants and less about what Kawhi wants. But then again, we haven't heard from Kawhi. Um, but as far as where I see him going, I honestly personally see Kawhi going to either the Clippers or staying packed. Uh, reason why is there's a reason why the Spurs asked the Lakers for almost the, the entirety of their youth. I think what the Spurs are trying to do is they're trying to expand what they want so so large that teams will go, there's no way I'm giving you all that. And they say, all right, well, cool. We'll just hold on to it. Uh, I think if you're the Spurs, you want to buy as much time as possible to get this guy and pop in a room together, maybe with his uncle or without his uncle, to smooth things over. I think pop can do that. Uh, I don't think the relationship is that burnt. I really don't. But I need to hear from Kawhi to know anything. Um, But the Clippers I'm going with, because if I'm the Spurs, there's no way I'm sending Kawhi to go team up with LeBron. No way. I take my chances sending Kawhi with Tobias Harris and Beverly and, and Bradley. I'd rather do that, see him a few times a oh, year. Oh, you damn well would be getting Tobias Harris if you're sending him to the Clippers. There ain't no fucking trade oh, yeah, where yeah, you're yeah, not that, getting that back. Only reason, only reason I forgot, because I'm like, Tobias can't play the three and the four, because I was thinking they just brought back Rudy Gay, and you do have slow-mo still. So I was kind of really thinking you need Tobias, but you're right, you're right, you're right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if I'm the Spurs, there's no way I'm sending him to the, to the Lakers. I'm sorry. There's no way. I'd rather, if anything, just send him somewhere where I can get the most, whether it's Boston or the Sixers or the Clippers, uh, get as much as I can get for him. And then if he ends up becoming a Laker, then so be it. I can't control that. But what I won't do is lose him for free to the Lakers. And also what I won't do is get into a Cleveland situation to where I have a player who wants to desperately leave and I give you one of the best players in the league, and you pretty much give me trash. Like, I, there, there's no <laughs> way I'm pulling any of those, any of those moves. So if I'm if I'm the Spurs, if I can't get them to uh, pop and Kawhi to kind of figure this stuff out, uh, I'm looking at the Sixers. I'm not not the Sixers. I'm sorry. I'm looking at the um, the Celtics. I apologize, and I'm telling them, listen, Brown, you got to give me Brown. That that's that's a definite. I'm gonna need some draft picks. And then maybe, maybe if the uh, negotiations – I know Luke is already ready to say no. If the negotiations yeah. can be uh, done well, 
I'm definitely – I know I won't get it, but I'm definitely making an offer for you to give me Tatum, too. I want Tatum and Brown. You can get Kawhi. So you can have the money doesn't work. The, like, that's the thing. Like, the, the money doesn't add up. Like, you could do – I think there's a trade scenario like let's say you don't include any draft picks where you send Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Morris. I think that makes the money work, as I recall. But, like, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not giving up Jason Tatum. I'm just not doing it. He, like, we've only seen him play one year, and he's looked like a, just a fucking beast. Uh, like, I would entertain giving up Brown, but the problem is, like, if you're just giving up Brown – how do you make the cap work? So are you giving up, say, Brown and Hayward? And if you're doing that, let's say you're getting back Kawhi and Danny Green. Sure, I might do that. Like, I mean, I'm, 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 I'm improving at, you know, with Kawhi and Danny Green still like a really awesome, viable player. And, you know, you're going to mm-hmm. be, you know, you're going to be in contention to, to win it all, even with, you know, the, the juggernaut now DeMarcus Cousins, uh, uh, warriors, um, but like, but nevertheless, like, still, I don't know. I still, you'd have to re-sign Danny Green after this year. Danny Green's like 31 years old. You'd have to re-sign Kawhi Leonard after this year. There's no guarantee that you re-sign him. There's just too much risk involved. I like my team. I'm with I'm with Luke on this one. Uh, Luke, uh, add in anything I missed, and um, you know where where do you think uh, he's going to be traded or if if you do think he's going to be traded. I know, I mean, I'm not going to regurgitate on how much I do not want the Celtics to go after <laughs> him. I just, like, I'm just, I'm just not. There's everything you said and more. But what really is killing me is just this whole situation in, in, in total. I think it's just hurting Kawhi Leonard really big time just because, like, his image is just really kind of just, like, tarnished right now in a lot of people's minds. I mean, come mm-hmm. on. I mean, they didn't see him being this kind of player and all that. And then, like, the Spurs, too, like, I feel like the Spurs right now, like you were saying, John, that like they should trade them, but I, I feel like they're in the worst spot right now. Like they were in the best spot before the draft, and now they're in a terrible spot where not a lot of teams are going for him. You're not going to get there. Like from what I've read, Fultz has not been offered in any trade, uh, Ball or Ingram, and then Brown or Tatum. So you're really not getting any conversation or Irving. So you're not getting any conversations with the big teams you want. I mean, yeah, like you said, the Clippers could definitely do it, but I don't think I'm doing it if I'm if I'm the Clippers because I mean I'm really kind of just trading away my team that I'm not going to be good with Kawhi coming. So he's definitely going to walk to the other building and the other locker room next year. So I just feel like right now, just like no one's at, like the Spurs are just not in a good situation, and I feel like yeah, they're they're trying to hope that they can hold on to him a little bit longer and things might get in better. Sixers might put a panic button in and, and see what Paul George said that Lakers didn't make that bid for him and that was his big reasoning and they're like well maybe we can just give up a Covington, Saric, uh, Zaire Smith and the Miami Heat pick because that's the best thing they're going to get. I mean that could still be serviceable. So I just I just don't like the whole what Kawhi's can't not even what Kawhi's can't do. Just what Kawhi what is he doing? Just come out and talk. I know you're not a big talker, but reach out to one of the big uh, like sports, like interviewers, and like have just like the one-on-one that everyone's been trying to get. Get that, get that person that you trust that you want to talk to and you want to lay it out on the table and like let everyone know because you're just looking terrible. Your camp is just a, like a circus. They have no clue what they want to do. They're putting 
terrible things because Sixers don't want to trade for him because you guys have never said that he's interested. He might be interested. I mean, I think they leaked it out maybe that they could consider it, but all they've ever heard is the Lakers. So why do the Sixers want to, you know, go that far into the, like, their future just for a guy that could be one year? So I just think at all right now, this, like, just no, no situation is good because everyone just is not making the moves. The Spurs don't really seem serious and everything. But my dark horse team, and I'm just going to go with it, I mean, because no one saw the Indiana and Oklahoma. No one saw yeah. the Minnesota and Chicago. I'm still going with, and I proposed this earlier to you guys, Milwaukee. I, I'm telling you. I, I, like, I, I feel like I've heard things that he does want to get away from all things Papa Bitch's system. But, I mean, Coach Bud was there for him when he was really good. I mean, he knows how to coach him. You're going to another, like, perennial all-star that's going to take the pressure off of you and Giannis. And you have so much that you could, you could, you could make a good trade and, and a serviceable trade because you've got to look at the ones that, that were made last year. They were good, serviceable trades at the end because no, the team didn't really have leverage and they had to just basically trade the player. And be like, we've got to go for a team that's going to be willing to take a one-year thing. And I think, like, a Middleton, DiVincenzo, and throw in maybe a thaw maker and 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 something else that um, uh what is his name um Henson and then get that Kawhi and Pau Gasol oh, maybe they want to get off Pau Gasol's maybe they want to get off Gasol's contract oh okay and then, yeah and, and 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 now now you've kind of you've given them a little bit of youth but you've given them something to do with and you know they kind of want to move away from that Gasol and I don't know. In the end, that could be the best maybe, trade that they get. Maybe even maybe even throw in like Patty Mills for Della Vadova, since their contracts are basically the same. But Della Vadova's is only two years, whereas Patty Mills is like three. Um, give them a little more flexibility, a little sooner. Um, I like the trade, honestly. Like, I mean, the thing is, obviously, Philly and LA could make a better trade, but that's the thing. Like. You're right. That's the same thing with Paul George. There were teams that had the assets to make better deals. Um, and granted, again, not really because, the, I mean, Indiana got the best possible deal for Paul George because no one knew Victor Oladipo was going to be Victor Oladipo. But nevertheless, yeah, like I – it would be interesting. Uh, I mean, if you could keep – I think you would probably have to include um, – Oh, Brogdon, like in some in some form or fashion. But like, let's just play out this scenario. I'm throwing like, Brogdon in 100 percent, man. I think he was a yeah, one good well, rookie of the year. I mean, I think he's a serviceable player. It's not going to hurt me that bad in my mind. Right. Well, and and like, let's let's say you know, let's play this out. Like, let's say you have you have Bledsoe, you have uh, you have Tony Snell, you now have Kawhi Leonard, you have Giannis Antetokounmpo, and you have uh, Pal Gasol. And then you got a bench of um, uh, uh, shit. What's his name? Um, uh, Patty Mills. Then you have uh, what Sterling Brown. He started to come on at the end of last year. I think he could be a very viable backup shooting guard. Uh, and then um, you know you'll you'll have to kind of fill possibly out Jabari the rest Parker. Of that you possibly, possibly could still yeah. keep Jabari because no matter what, yeah. you could go in the luxury with you know matching on his deal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and and the thing is too, there's not a lot. There's almost no teams out there with cap space. I mean, I think the Hawks have some, the Bulls have some, the Mavs have already used theirs. So it's like, 
I, I, the, the Pacers have, I, I think, used all of theirs up with that Tyreek Evans signing. So, like, yeah, I mean, that, that could be interesting. I would love to see that. Like, I really would. I think I think watching Kawhi uh, play, um, I mean, it, it goes against, with, with Giannis, would, would be awesome. But, I mean, it goes against a lot of the report that he wants a bigger market so he can get a bigger shoe deal and all that. But, like like Juwan said, we we didn't hear that from Kawhi. This is all right. just conjecture at this point. So the, the one um, dangerous thing you said though, Luke, is if I'm Kawhi, um, the way you were describing it, because I know I just said he should like we should hear something from him, but speaking to the media is not a good thing to do. I would have like a players like, tribune write something. Yeah, I would have that only because only reason I say that, Luke, is. The guy you got wearing the number 11 did the same exact thing you're asking Kawhi to do, and they vilified him for that interview on, on first take. They straight vilified Kyrie um, because they twisted his words. Uh, when they asked him, like, why didn't you, like, say something to LeBron uh, about wanting to leave? Well, why should I? Like, they, they're going to get you on certain things like that, and because Kyrie and Kawhi aren't big talkers, you're going to slip up and say how you really right. feel when those are moments that you should probably shut up and just say, you know, I, I probably should have a blah, 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 something to smooth it over. So doing that, like getting a Ramona Shelburne or someone to sit you down and have that conversation may not be the best thing for you. Yeah, I agree. I think just write a Players' Tribune article, like, like would be – like if you wrote a Players' Tribune article and released it tomorrow, basically just saying everything that was on his mind and just, you know, laying it all out there – and, and just saying, this is this is what I think. This is for everybody to read. Um, this is what has happened. This is, you know, these are the facts of what happened. This is how I perceive uh, everything that has happened. Um, I, I think that would be something that he could do, and maybe something that we would see um, if and when he does get traded. Uh, but no, I. Um, I really, I would really like to see, especially now that you know Paul George is off the table, and you know all the other big names are kind of off the table. I would really like to see Philly make make a play for him. I think at this point, I would, I would totally offer Fultz. I think a, I think an interesting trade for Philly would be essentially um, sending Fultz and Bayless to the Suns, uh, sending Dario. Sarich to the Spurs, and then the Spurs would also get um, Josh Jackson uh, and Jared Dudley to kind of fill out their front court because um, they have a lot of backcourt players. Um, but Josh Jackson has is the kind of guy who's got that like raw potential. He's really defensive minded, um, who could who could fit in that system. And I think pairing up, like I mean, granted, Fultz is. Still got some question marks, but I mean, if you pair up like Fultz and Booker, and um, I mean, obviously you just drafted uh, Mikael Bridges and signed Trevor Ariza, like, and then you got that all those guys with Aiden, like that could be that could be really good for them. And then if you're the the Spurs, you've got you know you've got uh, Dejounte Murray, you just drafted Lonnie Walker, now you got Josh Jackson as your future three, and Dario Saric as your future four. Um, and, you know, maybe play Aldridge at the five or just use Dario Saric as six man for the time being, whatever you want to do. Um, but, like, that that kind of trade, and, and I think there would be draft consideration um, that, that 
would probably have to be involved as well. Um, but, you know, Philly's got the Miami pick. They've got all their future picks. Maybe you could get uh, Phoenix to throw in some kind of draft consideration um, if they are high enough on, on getting a guy like Fultz. Um, I don't know if they would be or not. I mean, Jackson Jackson started to make the steps at the end of the season, um, and and so did Fultz, but not to a, to a lesser extent. Um, so I think that could be interesting. I think – a uh, potential trade with the Lakers. Uh, now that they have Rondo, they could definitely move uh, Lonzo. I could see maybe a trade involving Lonzo going to Orlando, and then uh, the essentially the Spurs getting Jonathan Isaac and OKC's 2020 first-round pick, uh, and then also getting Brandon Ingram, uh, and then you know a, a slew of players to make the to make the money work. Like I'm not taking them all bang, but like, you know, give me your uh, Avicii Zubak, you know, your Thomas Bryant, your um, Tyler Ennis, like, you know, players like that, that, you know, the Lakers aren't going to miss, but can, can get, get them to the amount of cap space uh, that it would take to make the deal work. Um, and, and then you're kind of looking at the same situation. You got it. You got DeJounte Murray, you've got, um, you know, Lonnie Walker, and then you're getting Brandon Ingram and you're getting Jonathan Isaac, and the Lakers get to keep, at least keep Kyle Kuzma, um, you know, as, as far as that scenario is concerned. So I think even one of those trades, you know, could really end up working out very well for all three teams involved. Um, but it'll be interesting. I, I do think there's a lot of credence to whether or not Pop would trade him to the Lakers. Like, I mean, I, I there's there's a part of me that still thinks the Lakers maybe you know put in a um, an offer for Paul George last year or somebody maybe not the Lakers but maybe somebody that um, Indiana thought Paul George would want to go to and was just like no we're going to trade you to Thunder <laughs> like we're going to send you to like the smallest market in the NBA um, maybe short of Sacramento uh, but probably even smaller than Sacramento. Um, but uh, ended up working out for OKC and ended up working out for Indiana. So, um, but nevertheless, uh, yeah, I, I, I think there's there's trades to be had there. I, I and I do like. Uh, I'm gonna have to sit down and, and play with the notion of Milwaukee, uh, Luke, and and to formulate an official trade proposal. But um, but I like. I like the the notions that we were throwing out. I think that could be very interesting. Um, anybody have anything to add before we move on? Uh, yeah, really quickly. Uh, I'll say this: if I'm the Lakers, um, unless like I can legit legit get this Kawhi trade, I'm holding off Ingram and Lonzo for possibly getting Damian Lillard, possibly making that work. Because, uh, like you said before, Nick. Teaming Damian Lillard up with uh, LeBron, that'd be you know that'd be really huge for that'd be really huge for that team. So I would hold off, and then I would see if I could free up enough space to possibly get Kawhi just in free agency next year. Sure. So I get rid of Lonzo, get rid of uh, Ingram, bring in Lillard, and then try to make Kawhi work. Well, and the thing is, like. Uh, just off the top of my head, I think their combined contracts are like $13 million. Dames is like 27 28 So you would probably be looking at saying, we're going to have to include Luau Bang to make this work. But look, you're getting 
Ball and Ingram for one guy. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And and you know if if Dame Lillard goes in and says I you know demand a trade. That that could end up, you know, being a viable trade. Now the Lakers would probably have to take back something else. Maybe uh, Al Farouk Aminos expiring seven point four million, I believe it is. Um, th- like that would be something that they would want. So they could get Dame. They could clear out Dang. Um, or I'm sorry, they could get Lillard and they could clear out Dang. You know, they move off from the two younger pieces, but then they also get a guy like. Alpha Rucamino, who can contribute but is, you know, um, you know, expiring. Uh, and then that could potentially put them in a situation where they could do that. My only thing with Dame Lillard now, um, and let, let's just go ahead and transition um, onto this. And, uh, Luke, if, if you have anything to add to the Kawhi discussion, um, speak now or forever hold your peace. <laughs> No, I'm good on the quiet thing. Okay, cool. Um, so, like, uh, a fan tweeted Dame and asked him if he'd be happy to be traded to the Lakers, and he responded to the tweet and said, I'm typically a happy camper. Um, so, like, just to add to kind of what you're saying, Juwan, there's there's a little bit of speculation going on right now because, you know, he usually he's he'll respond to people on Twitter. I mean, I've seen him do it. Um, I, I, I remember distinctly him doing it to like a butthurt fan who I guess had traveled to see him play in a game and was like, I traveled all this way to see you play and you didn't even play. And he's like, there, my fucking ankles hurt. What do you want me to do, bro? Sorry. Like, um, but so he, he does have interaction with fans, but it's usually fairly calculated, both he and CJ and, my thing is this, does this mean something to you, Juwan, or, you know, is it just, is it just Dame being kind of coy? Well, no, it definitely means something. I told you uh, back when he, when he had a meeting with the team to talk to the future before Mm -hmm. All-Star, and they kind of, you know, told him like, listen, we don't have much cash space, but we'll make things work, blah, blah, blah. We'll try to put a better team around and then he had to have that same meeting a few months later. That's usually never a good sign. Damian Lillard does not seem like a guy who's going to come out and make this huge stink about trade me or I, I'm going to start acting crazy. I, I don't think he's that kind of guy. I think right. he likes to make things very clear. In those two meetings, he said, I am not these kind of guys that will give you my loyalty to stay here and lose year in and year out. I am not that kind of guy. So I do, if you guys can't make anything work, want to go somewhere where I can make something work uh, and, and put myself in a winning situation. So if I'm the, the trailblazers, me looking at that tweet, I'm looking at it and I'm going, you know what, Lonzo Ball, um, CJ McCollum, Ingram, I think uh, Afukaminu and Yurkic or whatever his name is, that's not a horrible <laughs> starting spot. Nurkic, I'm sorry, thank you. That's not a horrible starting five. You could do a lot worse. I'm I'm looking at that and I'm saying, you know what, Dame? If by all-star break, like, things aren't working out uh, for either one of us, that is a trade. If Lonzo is is even still there by that point, um, that is definitely something we would 
we would entertain and we would send you to the Lakers. You can go be with LeBron and see how far the two of you guys can get. Um, but if I'm the Trailblazers, I'm saying that and I'm taking that as this guy was serious after those two meetings. If we can't mm-hmm. do something, uh, like I was really upset that they didn't get, you know, they weren't able to pull off that Wilson Chandler thing. You guys know I'm not one for the whole cap space and stuff like that and the numbers. Uh, but I really think that would have been a really nice addition uh, to that team, Wilson Chandler. And the fact that they weren't able to get him, Trevor Reza, like literally nobody <laughs> was trying to go to the Trailblazers in free agency. And if I'm Dane, that says, that says a lot. Uh, right. So, I mean, I definitely think he was serious about it. Yeah, well, and I, I think it's a combination of it's not a it's not a popular place to go. They don't have any cap space, so the best they can do is offer, like, a luxury tax um, exception, which would be, I think, like $5.5 million, somewhere in that range, close to that. Um, and all of those guys got, got you know, better, you know, better money than that. So, um so yeah, I mean it's it's just it, it's a it's a comedy of errors, and it I mean it really started with 2016 free agency with them because that was right before they extended C.J. McCollum, so they were able to essentially sign two huge deals with Alan Crabb and Evan Turner for like I think it was like 17 million plus a year for Turner and 18 million plus a year for Crabb. Granted. They were able to con the Nets into um, taking Crab off their hands, uh, which was astonishing to me. Like, imagine the situation, and same thing with the Hawks, imagine the situation that the Nets would be in now and they not made that trade. Like, right. they would have even more and, cap space. But And I will go, say, because uh, Nurkic was a free agent this season, right? Yeah. So my biggest issue with the Portland Trailblazers is, and this is my huge issue, and then I'm done. You can, you, you know, you guys can take it. Um, how is it you look at DeMarcus Cousins? The fact that DeMarcus Cousins took such a low and disrespectful number from the Warriors, how is it as the Trailblazers, any of the money that you were going to put towards Nurkic or whatever you were going to do with it, go get DeMarcus Cousins. Damian Lillard nah, is telling you they the need help. They it wasn't help. in the cards, man. Because as far as because money, he, yeah, because they 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 could have offered him essentially what the Warriors offered him, but why would he go join them for the same? Like he would join. The only reason he took the offer, I think, was because he wanted to go play for the Warriors. Whereas you know, like he, if he was going to go to a different team, he would have wanted like a big contract. I mean, I, I read a report that he turned down a forty uh, forty million dollar two year deal with the Pelicans. So like that's what they that's were willing to crazy. That's well, I mean, crazy. He, but I'm I'm just saying as the Trailblazers, no one I, I think outside of the Pelicans, Celtics and Warriors even picked up the phone to even entertain any kind of offer with Boogie Cousins. Yeah. That to me is yeah. insane. Insane. Just yeah. have the meeting with him. show Damian Lillard you're trying to do something. And if DeMarcus says he doesn't want it, then he doesn't want it. But you can at least say, I tried to get this Boogie Cousins. He didn't want to come. You got to do yeah, things like that if you want to keep Lillard. I don't think that bodes well either. And I don't think anybody saw him signing a luxury tax exception contract. I mean, that's just, that was just crazy. That's, um, but that's but, something a, a, conversation, a conversation would find out. <laughs> 
Uh, maybe, but I again, I just don't think he would have been willing to sign that same deal with Portland. I just don't see that happening. But, you know, one one thing they could have done was try to figure out a signing trade. It would have been really tricky because you have to be under the luxury tax to conduct a signing trade. And it would have been really hard for them to found the pieces to make that work. But, you know, uh, if you, like, stretched Evan Turner or something like that, you could you could maybe make it work. Um but I, I agree with you. They 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 owe it to Damian Lillard to be thinking outside the box and to be making um, inquisitions like that. So uh, yeah, I uh, in that respect, I definitely agree with you, uh, Luke. What are your thoughts on you know Dame's tweet or his his uh, response to said tweet? And uh, you know, just in general, do you think that holds any water? Um, real quick on the Cousins and the Portland thing. Um, <clears throat> yeah, besides Portland wouldn't be able to get in the thing. And to clear some things up, uh, the only people that offered him was the New Orleans Pelicans at $40 million. Boston Celtics never got a chance to even pick up the phone. They didn't even know they were in second consideration. Boogie just said that it came down to those two teams that he wanted to go to, and he just chose Golden State because, you know, he wanted to go to a team that could has a chance to win next year and all that stuff. So. So Portland was just never in it. And the thing with Nerkic is, is he's a restricted free agent where they have bird rights to him so they can match and go into luxury and go into the max. That, like, if he gets offered a max, they can match it because he's a restricted free agent when they don't have that with Boogie Cousins. They had at the outbidded team, like Nick saying, he just wouldn't choose to go to Portland for the mid-level $5.3 million. It's just, it's just something that it wouldn't work out Yeah. You want to show Damien that you're doing something, but you're just not in the room. Portland spent way too much money a couple of years ago. They're in a terrible spot. I mean, they're one of the third, like, they're up there in the top five, like, teams spending money. So they're just not in any position. Now, if you want to make him kind of happy and, and make sure Damien stays in, he's a, like his tweet says, because you can go either way, because he says, I'm typically, you know, a happy camper. So, if you want to make him happy, why don't you go to the Cavs and see how much Kevin Love would really cost you to get? Because I think Kevin Love is good in the West. I mean, he always was a good player. So now you're kind of showing that you're building around CJ and Damian. You're getting Love. You can match Nurkic, whatever he's getting. He, I mean, he probably is not going to get any offer sheet. So that's the good thing when you have these restrictive free agents because the teams are kind of in the advantage. You know, you go to your player and you're like, We'll go out. You can go see the team. We'll write you these offer sheets and then come back to us. And, you know, we have the chance to match that. Or we're going to be like L.A. And if you ask for us to just waive our rights, then, you know, we're, we're just we're – not, we're nothing with you. But, you know, that's the positive thing about, you know, like, so you can have a solid team and then you're really kind of worrying about the three. So that's something they could do. And you're showing, you know, Damien, like, hey, you know, we are trying to do something – and we're getting you, you know, it's nothing big, but, you know, we didn't have to give up the moon for it, and we don't really have the moon to give up for it. You know, we're not giving up CJ. So I think, you know, that's something that the Trailblazers could do to consider, you know, building around them. Or, but like you say with the Lakers, I mean, I've been telling my friend to, if I'm the Lakers, I'm not trading for Kawhi because I know he wants to sign with me next year. So I'm, if I'm going to be trading my players, I'm trading for a guy that's already in a contract that I can get because no matter what next year, even if I don't get a quad, I'm still going to have a 
space to p- possibly get another max. I mean, I'm going to work that Luel Deng trade out regardless. So I'm going to have a max next year, whether it's Boogie Cousins, Butler, anyone, Clay Thompson. I can, I can make it range between Leonard. But I'm going to go, if I'm making a trade and I'm going to send Ingram and Lonzo Ball, I want a Damian Lillard. I don't want a DeRozan. I like maybe a John Wall, but do I want a John Wall? Like, really, Lillard makes the most sense for the Lakers. And you don't want John Wall in contract. Money. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, I'm talking about, like, you just, that contract right. just so crazy. But then, like, you throw in, like you guys are saying, an Alfred Camino. Because all the trades, I mean, all the signings that the Lakers have been doing, yeah, I understand the one year, and, like, that's what, like, all the Lakers fans, you know, no matter what, it's one year. But they got no player that can play in a LeBron system. A pip, like, a, like, spot-up shooter and, like, and all that. There's not one, like, the best shooter right now in the Lakers is Ingram at, like, just a spot-up, stand-up shot. Like, Is he better than Caldwell Pope? Pope? Uh, no, man. Ingram's way better than, than Pope. Caldwell okay. Pope's kind of like, yeah. But, but, but then again, thought, you're going to go Pope case. shot, like, 39% from three last season, but I could be wrong about yeah, that. Yeah, but, like, spot-up and all that, like, I mean, they could, they could be other things. But I'm talking about, like, a, just a straight-up spot-up shooter and all that. Like, gotcha. It's, okay. it's going to be Ingram. Catch-and-shoot scenarios. Gotcha. Yeah, catch-and-shoots. But, so you didn't really get all these players, but – Lillard makes really like sense for them. I mean, if you're gonna send your your potential future, don't send it to a guy that could possibly be a mellow where you could have just signed him no matter what in the end with like what happens with Knicks fans. Like you guys understand that. Like you guys like you could have just got him, but you didn't want it because you didn't want to wait. You didn't want a Paul George to happen to you. So it puts the Lakers, but I still think you know, like I said, there's plenty of other max, but get a player that's stuck into a contract like a Lillard. And I think he makes perfect sense for LA I mean he's the best NBA rapper of all time if you want to hear how he's feeling we got to check out his new mixtape he's not going to like write it or anything but I get his raps are going to say something how he's mad about Portland or something like that oh dude I'm just picturing now him releasing a rap upon this trade like dissing Alonzo Ball like Alonzo Ball diss track um and like throw it like have Kyle Kuzma like guest star on it, um, but uh, but no nah, man. And and here's the thing like, um, I'm just I'm trying to do the math here uh, on, on on my feet. Um, essentially, uh, Aminu is making close to seven. Uh, Lillard's almost making twenty eight. So you know that's that's a huge bulk of cash. And Dang's contract is is really high, but if you're trading out $35 million for Dang's 18 and then what, I think the other two were like 13, um, you know, you're still coming out, you know, uh, uh, basically kind of where you were with a, with a little less money. I think that's what, $33 million, uh, essentially. So, like, that's, uh, or is it $31 million? What is it? I don't know. Math is never my strong suit. $31 million. So you're, you're shaving $4 million. You, Dang will be off your books before you have to extend either Ingram or um, Ball. So, you know, you're, you're shaving that money off your books. You're, 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 you know, essentially starting, kind of starting over. And then you can still, you still have C.J. McCollum. You can still either make a move with him or just keep him there. He signed on for three more years. Um, I, I don't know. I think it, I think it does make a lot of sense for both teams. Uh, it, you know, if 
if Portland is willing to take on Dang's contract. And, you know, Dang could certainly, I mean, I think he could fill in as a, as a you know, backup, you know, power forward, uh, which is essentially kind of what Al Farouk Aminu um, ended up being uh, in in. Portland last season because, you know, he's dealing with his injuries and whatnot. So, you know, I think that could work. I like your Kevin Love scenario. I think just like an Evan Turner, Zach Collins for Kevin Love uh, could work. You know, you're, you're getting, you're getting Turner off your books. It would suck to give up Zach Collins, but you know, if you, if you want to compete now, that's the kind of thing that, you know, you may have to do. Uh, I mean, you might be able to swing, um, something that, that doesn't cost you quite as much if you throw in like a Caleb Swanigan, Jake Lehman, and a future first-round pick if you really want to keep Zach Collins. But I don't think the asking price is going to be super high for Kevin Love. I think they would probably be willing to take on Evan Turner's contract in order to get Zach Collins and, and you know, essentially be able to have Zach Collins paired with um, – uh, Shit, the kids you love so much they just trapped it. Thank you. Yeah, Colin Sexton. Uh, I mean, I I would rather have that than get than Kevin Love uh, if if I'm if I'm the the Cavs at this point. So, um, but anyway, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, We got time for one more, guys. We got about ten minutes. Um, I mean, I feel like. Uh, so some big news has hit as far as the market, but probably the biggest story in and of itself that dropped, Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler reportedly would like to play together somewhere next season. There's a few places they could play. Uh, Atlanta would be one of them. Now, of course, you'd have to probably trade Trey Young. Um, probably not going to happen. Uh, Brooklyn, uh, with you know what they've kind of, set forth if they've opened up cap space. Depending on what the Bulls do, the Bulls could have that cap space. Now you probably have to fire <laughs> uh, Fred Hoiberg because, you know, Butler and Hoiberg never really got along. Um, but there's a few teams out there that could that could have them. I'm looking at Brooklyn and thinking, dude, like Kyrie, Jimmy, uh, you got Justin Patton who had a, a great freshman season. Maybe he comes out and has a good sophomore season. Uh, and, and you, you know, just added a, a couple more pieces. You got Denwitty, who had a great year last year. I mean, essentially, you just wouldn't bring back D'Angelo Russell. Um, they're going to get finally get their draft pick this upcoming season. Brooklyn's a big market. New York City. Uh, I, I don't know. I think it could be a possibility if if the report is true that they really really want to play with each other. I don't see very many other scenarios that make a whole lot of sense um, as far as the how-to. Um, but regardless, Juwan, what do you think uh, as far as the report that Kyrie and Jimmy want to play together? And, you know, what would you think about that kind of pairing? Um, well, Joe Budden on his podcast uh, that came out uh, the other day did say he spoke to Jimmy when he was out in L.A., and Jimmy does want to play with Kyrie, but that's all he can yeah. tell us. Um, yeah. So that's definitely 100% true. They do want to play with each other. They grew a relationship through Team USA. Um, mm-hmm. Now, where they could play could be Brooklyn. Uh, if you guys uh, look to find a way to get rid of Hayward, could be there. 
Um, I, it could be a bunch of places, but the one, the only reason I hang my hat on the net is because Kyrie <laughs> wants to be the guy at the at, at the centerpiece of something. Now you go to Brooklyn, yes, you're gonna make a name for yourself. You know, if you bring Brooklyn to the playoffs, sure. Listen, Kyrie. Listen, Jimmy. If you bring the Knicks to the playoffs, past the first two rounds, if you get the Knicks to the Eastern Conference Finals, they might build you a statue just for that. That's how <laughs> bad the Knicks have been for almost like a decade or two or more. <laughs> so if you could do that, your, your name's like the the fame that you get from that will be huge. There's only two places in the East that if you could bring a championship to, like, you're set. That's Boston, because, Luke, we know that's a championship town, and that's the mecca of basketball, the New York Knicks. Only two places I think that those two should really even remotely think about going. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a worthy argument. The biggest thing with the Knicks is just cap space. How do you clear the cap space? I mean, Noah's contract is, is still lingering. Um, I mean, I, granted, you know, you'll have draft picks to be able to move around and hopefully attach, and it will be going into a summer where, you know, a few more teams will have caps opposed to like 14-7 gap space. There will be like 8 or 10. Um, so that's a possibility. I I, I actually would like to see it. Uh, I think it would be super cool to see the two of them pair up with with KP. I, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I think it would be really cool to see. Um, Luke, what are your thoughts on this? And um, do, do you see any any scenario in which, whether it be a trade this season uh, where, you, you know, you're giving up assets or a signing trade, uh, potentially, or anything of that sort, where uh, the Celtics, you know, maybe try to make a play for Jimmy Butler to, you know, keep Kyrie home base. Uh, let me make one point clear: they <laughs> both haven't said that they want to play with each other. Jimmy Butler has said he wants to play with Kyrie Irving. We have not heard Kyrie say that. It's just Jimmy Butler said he wants to play Kyrie Irving, so just need to real quick say that because just Kyrie keeps the game thrown around where he's going to leave. But I do see if there was some scenario, Minnesota's not going to let this guy walk who they just traded, I mean, a lot of assets for their young assets. So they would definitely want to make a trade. Now, if it's the Celtics could be one of those teams where we want to give up a Jalen Brown and a Terry Rozier and some other kind of thing. I don't know. I, don't, I mean, that's if you want to compete now. I mean, Butler's a great player. He could definitely come in, but I just I don't know what the Celtics would do because, I mean, then you have to sign him in. Kyrie Irving, which we'd have room for in the summer because Hor, uh, Horford's contract comes up. So, but I'm not worried about the Nets, uh, the Nets. I mean, yeah, they're the only team next summer that could sign two max free agents, but you just try to name people Hawks, on the Nets that would be good around – I mean, yeah, okay, well, then, I'm just – the teams that could put money in for these guys, they they don't have any talent around them. So why would you want to leave a Minnesota situation or a Celtics situation if you're either one of those teams just straight up walking? Now, the Knicks situation, you would have to trade for one of them. But I feel like you would be trading away 
your best assets because neither of them know what Kristoff's going to come back with his injury. We don't know when he's going to play, so you might not get a long glimpse. Knicks could be already in that mode where we're just in a rebuild year and we want to play low, so you're not going to get high-level playing out of them because you you don't want to rush them. So you would have to be trading up some of your young assets like a Knox possibly to get one of them to get coming in a trade, and then you sign another in the max because all you have room is for one max. So that's the tricky thing for the Knicks. So that's why I also don't see. But, I mean, Butler does say it was in the thing that, he, he you know, he does want to play Kyrie, so I do understand that. But I still think he can try to make it work. And I think he was more calling out his team like, we need to get more serious. Andrew Wiggins, I need you to not be this terrible, like, player that you are. I need you to get more serious than you like. Or, like, we're something, but if I leave, you're going to be nothing. Like, you're not going to be in the face. So, I think it was more of, like, a shot to all this team. Like, hey, I am kind of frustrated. Yeah, we made the playoffs and we're the eighth seed, but I am kind of frustrated, and I want you guys to take this more serious. I mean, Carl and Lee Towns are just running off pure talent. I mean, he's the third and all-NBA player, but he, like, you can really tell, like, he's just still really good and raw that he doesn't understand it. He's not serious. He's, he hasn't gotten, like, serious, like Shaquille O'Neal mode, where, like, I'm right. going to win. I'm going to, like, make sure I'm one of the best bigs right now. Like, he's still just goofing around out there, so he's so good. So I think it was more of a shot at Butler to all of his teammates. Like, hey, there's a superstar that is a free agent, and I do want to play with him but I want all of you guys to get your act together and let's make this stuff work. Like we just, like, I think that was a bigger shot because it was, it, it was him that's saying this, it's his frustration. I don't see Kyrie leaving us, but he could, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I could be biting my words, but I don't see him leaving the Celtics situation. Yeah. He does want to be the person and he's not that unfortunately in the Celtics. It's Brad Stevens, but Brad Stevens is a coach. So I, I mean, he still is he's the still man. He's He's still the man. It's just Brad Stevens' team. And then you have the young Jason Tatum. But, I mean, you can't get mad at a, a young kid being on, getting drafted and just yeah. having phenomenal talent. So, I just don't see, yeah, you, you know, that. that situation distilling. So, I just think in the end it's, it was just more of a shot at his current team and where they stand at. Yeah. I mean, I could I could certainly see that, too. Um, I, uh, I wonder – I, I kind of wonder if – maybe the Celtics could pull off just something crazy and trade for like Towns and Teague and, and, and send Kyrie um, and, you know, whatever their worst contract is. They don't really have any bad contracts, but you know, like something, something crazy like that and then get like a draft pick out of it, you know, like um, that would be like the, the most Danny Ainge thing. And then it's like, fuck, fuck you, Kyrie, go play with, Jimmy Butler, we'll start Terry Rozier, and now we got Carl Anthony Towns. Like <laughs> that would be—I um, don't think that's going to happen, but it would be awesome. And there was the report that that you know Cat wasn't necessarily happy there. But anyway, guys, that's going to wrap it up for us. Uh, great show. Good to be back. Uh, it was long hiatus, but you know something I needed to do. So, uh, but it is very good to be back. Good to talk to you guys again, Luke. Juwan, thank you so much as always for joining me. Well, ah, shit, I don't even know when we'll be back on. Uh, probably Monday. It would be my best bet. But we might, hey, we might even pull a show tomorrow. Fuck if I know. 
Uh, we still got a lot more shit to talk about, so we'll we'll get it figured out. Uh, but we'll talk to all y'all soon. Uh, and until then, peace. Peace.